I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Felicity Graham, who is a PhD student in quantitative marine science at the University of Tasmania and at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. And Felicity is working on uh, understanding El Nino, which the full name is the El Nino Southern Oscillation. So Felicity, can you tell us basically what El Nino is and what math you're using to uh, try to model it? Sure. El Nino, as you said, it's the El Nino Southern Oscillation, or um, we often just use the acronym ENSO, and it's an ocean atmosphere phenomenon that originates in the equatorial Pacific Ocean. And basically around Christmas time, maybe every two to seven years, there's warmer than usual sea surface temperatures in the eastern equatorial Pacific. We have prevailing wind also in the equatorial Pacific for the easterly, so, so they start in the east and move westwards are known as the trade winds. And because what happens in the near-surface atmosphere is really strongly linked to what happens in the ocean and vice versa, the warmer-than-usual sea surface temperatures in the eastern Pacific during an El Nino year weaken the trade winds and the overall atmospheric circulation. And the ocean response to this weakening is to reinforce those warmer-than-usual sea surface temperatures. And then the ensole event grows, and it typically lasts a few months, and is often followed by a complementary event, if you like, known as La Nina, in which there are cooler than usual sea surface temperatures in the eastern equatorial Pacific. My research involves looking at a conceptual model of ENSO. So it's a, really it's just a system of differential equations. We have two unknowns, the sea surface temperature and wind stress, and they're both dependent on time. And even though it's quite simple, it, it exhibits some quite complex behavior and, and is able to capture the asymmetries of ENSO quite well. The system of differential equations with the two variables might sound simple, but it's encompassing a lot of area and a lot goes into it, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So how accurate are current models? I think that really depends on, on the question that you're posing. So the important thing, I think, is not necessarily whether or not your model is completely accurate in that it captures every detail of the system that you're looking at, but rather that your model is sufficient to answer the question you're posing. So, for example, if I want to understand how the wind stress in the eastern Pacific Ocean affects the sea surface temperature there during our Nino year, I probably don't want to consider a highly complex model that takes into account, say, clouds and mixing in the deep ocean, because by including all the details, I'm making it harder for myself to understand what's really going on. So, a simple model might not totally accurately represent the system, but it will help me understand the processes involved. But ha having said that, there are a range of different models for the Armenia Southern Oscillation of, of varying complexity, from simple conceptual models such as the one that I'm studying, through to models of intermediate complexity, and then um, really highly complex general circulation models, which are very detailed and, and a lot more accurate in, in that they capture a lot more of the processes that are going on. Is there a lot of feedback between the atmosphere and ocean? Yeah, so you can study a coupled model that has both an atmosphere, an atmospheric and oceanic component, and, and it might also include, um, say, ice or biogeochemical processes in, as well. But it, it's often easier sometimes to just look at an oceanic component or an atmospheric component. But again, it really depends on the question that you're asking. Most often in, in ENSO research, we look at coupled models because, as I said, what happens in the ocean is really highly linked to what happens in the atmosphere, and they both feed back onto each other. 
this summer, as we're talking, Felicity, you, you've been at Woods Hole, yeah. uh, which is close to the AMS headquarters. Uh, that's not its claim to fame, though. But how was how was that experience? It was a really wonderful experience. So I was participating in a geophysical fluid dynamics program as part of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute. And it was an incredibly intense learning experience, probably the most intense learning experience of my life so far. I learned a lot about maths. And it was great because I was able to apply a lot of what I learned, the maths that I learned in my undergraduate degree. So, for example, analysis techniques and solutions to ordinary and, and partial differential equations. But um, it really was a career-shaping experience, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have participated. I was also able to um, interact with some really top names in fluid dynamics from around the world, and to, to have the, the opportunity to interact with research scientists who you know, have been in the field for maybe 60, maybe even 70 years is, is just phenomenal. Felicity, is there anything you'd like to add about this topic or your work? I think that, yeah, I think that's about it. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. That's Felicity Graham, who's a Ph.D. student in quantitative marine science at the University of Tasmania and at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. Felicity, thanks a lot and good luck. Thanks, Michael. Thanks very much.